0: But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
1: I'm Alex Rodriguez.
0: And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is
1: not as um, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't
0: want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal.
1: Listen to The Deal
0: on Spotify.
2: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Gola Jr. That is me, with me as always, a man who definitely doesn't spend his spare time gaslighting his friends, Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Don't gaslight our audience here, Mike. I love gaslighting my friends. Oh my god. Uh, Well, thankfully, uh, there will be no gaslighting from my end here or from the uh, third end of our wheel here. Wheels don't have three ends. That doesn't matter, though. Charlotte Wilder uh, is here with us as well for a Wilder Wednesday. Uh, Fox Sports College Football analyst. You guys have seen and heard her on the Ultimate College Football Road Trip this fall. Charlotte just wrapped up at the game uh, this past weekend. Charlotte. Wow. Brandon. (laughs) Brandon.
2: We've got some out.
1: sound effects. Wow! Um, first of all, you he definitely. Charlotte. Well, you were definitely gaslighting us, but we'll let it go. Um, I thank you. Yes, we did it. We did it. Another season. Can you believe that?
0: It like, I know everyone says this, but this season was an absolute rocket ship, and I think that part of when you travel every week, and or almost every week, you are on the road for the vast majority of college football season, mm-hmm. it slows down and speeds up your internal clock. It's kind of like an original recipe for Loco, <laughs> where it's pulling you in both directions at once Ooh. in a way that feels like it's going to kill you by the end.
1: Yeah, it's a kind of thing. Wait, hold on. Do I sound very loud right now? I no, think I just. I sound just, great. I, uh,
0: all right. Oh, I, I like think
1: that. okay. Is that better?
0: <laughs> is I think better, I'm.
1: So? I'm just trying to. All right. I. It looks like my my little chart is telling me there's a lot of red, and I'm like, am I yelling? Oh,
2: let me let me my let me, little let me, chart. Let me, peep, let me peep your chart.
1: Do you know what I mean?
2: Oh yeah. Yes, I'll trust me. I know your chart. I'm watching I watch the charts. <laughs> well, so. how's
1: my chart? There, that looks better. That seems better.
2: Your chart your chart is tracking.
1: My chart's better. Sorry. Hello. So yes. Po- a
2: podcast doctor's
0: <laughs> appointment.
1: <laughs> I'm flatlining. Um I think that uh the original for loco recipe is very accurate because you were once unbelievably hyped up all the time and also totally exhausted and you're not entirely sure where you are and i don't know about you but like my my body gets much tenser all fall like my 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 muscles are all like by the time we come to the end of it i'm like almost having to get a massage every week because my my muscles are just like tweaking out and i feel like a million years old
0: I haven't gotten a massage in probably a year and a half, and
1: it's really worth it. Like you gotta treat yourself.
0: I know. I need to take care, better care of myself. Brandon, you out here getting rubbed down usually, or no? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Back
2: in the day when I was uh, high school, when I was trying to get a scholarship, I used to get an appointment every weekend. Every weekend, I got realigned and got this stretched, and so much so that I start paying attention. And now I am a, a pretty good masseuse. Wow. Uh, to the point where my wife, I will go to masseuse and she was like, they're just not, they're not, they're not good. They're not as good as you.
0: Wow. Oh
1: my God,
0: man, big spouse points there. Yeah, hey, seriously. Hey. Rock on for Brandon Newman. Well, we appreciate everyone that makes this daily appointment here. As always, download, subscribe, rate, and review, Gojo wherever you get your podcast, leave us a five-star rating and a review. I will say every once in a while, we're inconsistent with shouting out the people that review this podcast, but I'd be remiss every once in a while. I'm reminded that as we grow this thing we've got the right people in on the ground floor Because Herm79 wrote in a review that was great about the Thanksgiving draft, but the title of it really sang for me, which was, Don't Talk About Goku's Parenting. And Mm. for people to already understand, that is the place that we reside. Warms my heart, so keep those coming. Check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel as well under the Gojo of Mike Golick Jr. tab here. Got a fun show today. The College Football Playoff Committee gave their penultimate round of rankings, which I heard Reese Davis bring up, is one of the only places that we get to use a sports word like penultimate. It. um mm-hmm. we've got that we've got to look at uh Spotify and Apple are dueling with their year-end raps uh so we have to dive into that and find out if we got freaky on any of the musical tastes here but uh guys you know where we gotta start right
1: I know where we gotta start
0: USA USA USA
1: U- USA
0: I mean, USA, we're all in a little delay, so it's hard to sync this together. Brandon has got the U.S. Men's National Team SI uh-huh. cover ready to go. We did it, guys. We got out of the group stage. We, we made it happen. We did it. 16, baby! It feels good, guys. Like This is what we were here to do, to just do the bare minimum and get out of the group stage after embarrassing ourselves by not being in the World Cup last time around. I feel phenomenal. How do you guys feel?
1: I feel phenomenal. I also feel like my heart rate was through the roof. the inte- For two hours today, I was not a healthy person.
0: No, I was watching that game in a bar on like with a healthy buzz, and we all at multiple points checked our heart rate, and it was north of 120. Uh, getting a legitimate workout in because the back 45 minutes and then the final nine of stoppage time nine. in the match against Iran felt like an, an absolute eternity. That was the ultimate hot stove theory, that nine minutes of stoppage time.
1: Oh it was it was terrifying. It was I felt so alive. I realized soccer. I think i'm I'm obsessed with soccer. I'm every like I should really just go into i I should start really diving into the soccer world and doing a little doing a little work there because I have to tell you, I didn't look at my phone once for the first. I get mesmerized. I'm like hypnotized by this. There are no ads. Anything can happen at any moment. so you're just constantly on your toes you're freaking out you you feel something you forget everything else and um i also just as i watch because i played until sophomore year of high school or junior year i don't know i quit because i was like i don't think i'm good enough for this to like be a thing for me to run this much um but i i just start fancying myself like the most brilliant soccer mind who's ever existed and i'm like well you know i mean way is creating good looks and like he's getting up there but then he just can't quite do it which i think just speaks to the the age of the team and like the kind of coaching that you know you can really only get by experience and then i'm like oh my god charlie you've watched like watches three but, national team games
0: once. But this is the best. This is how I think the vast majority of us operate where, yes, I'm going to lean on the Lexi Lawless and Taylor Twelmans of the world to give me coherent schematic analysis, but in general, watching the World Cup as an American parachuting in for us now the first time in eight years mm-hmm. on this stage requires a few things. One, learning when to clap, and part of that is, <laughs> you know, you know ball, sea ball, hit ball, monkey, sea monkey, mm-hmm. do with crowds of people, but like you said, it's also knowing the right words it's oh good touch play it forward we've got good shape right now he's got good fitness all of those fitness is especially one one of those words that becomes incredibly important around the world of european football slash soccer instead of talking about practice or anything like no it's training it's fitness it's all words that feel much more baseline health than normal sports over here listen I, i you talk about
2: the love of soccer that was my first love. I grew up in the goal. I, I was, that was my quick twitch muscle muscles. That's why I, I, I learned to have imaginary friends because, you know, I, you're about over there alone a lot. And also the best gloves in the game. Um, but I love soccer so much. In high school, I wrote a letter to my principal asking him, could I be on a soccer team as well as playing on a football team my senior year? And he said, Charlie Weiss will kick my ass if, he lets, if I let you do that. So no. Wow. And I was like, oh, okay. Fair. Fair. Fair, Fair. and I mean me
0: if anyone was going to chew somebody's ass out, it was going to be Coach Weiss too. That's not <laughs> that's not a place you want to be on the receiving end of an ass chewing. That man is an artist no. and that is no. his favorite medium.
1: It's but also I, I love it now.
2: I, I just it, it like you said it's a it's a uh it's an even keel. There's something about it. I guess like the the lack of pads, the simplicity of it. Like it just feels like everyone can do it, but those guys doing it are the best.
1: Yes. I, I, anytime I watch, so my my greatest sports memory is the 99 Women's World Cup. I'm 10 years old. I'm watching it with my entire youth soccer team. At that point, I was still very good at soccer because I hadn't gone through a growth spurt and didn't know how to not trip over my feet yet. Like I was still, I you know, if you were ever like the best kid on your sports team, that ego stays with you in some small place like forever, even yes. if it was when you were 10 years old. And that was Five. like- yeah like you know maybe i it it was just like i remember watching it with my best friends Brandy scores. She tears off her shirt. I freak out. I like blacked out and then was like I started on the like the, sitting down in front of the TV and ended like standing on top of the, the back of the couch and then went outside and played soccer. And I was like, I'm the greatest athlete that's ever lived. And watching the men's watching the men's national team, I'm watching them and I'm like, I think I should join a women's league and I think I could be the best one. It like inspires some delusion.
0: It makes you want to get back out there and just try. Like, yeah, Yeah. I'm going to join a club team, or I'm going to join an adult rec team. I'm going to find a way.
1: I would get bodied, guys.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You never know until you know. Believe me, I have such a, at this point in my life, such a respect for adults over 30 who still decide to be active in that way. I couldn't fathom it right now. I have to foam roll for a half hour to do static movement. I couldn't imagine being dynamic, potentially hitting someone. No. I
1: just told you guys I need massages after I go watch people play football. Like, come on.
0: It is it is incredible. And it gives me all the more respect for our very young team who went out and did the damn thing. Because you talk about Charlotte, this is probably like big for another generation of young US soccer fans who have Absolutely. come up who didn't get to see this eight years ago. Christian Pulisic, who was the star of this team, the name that most people know, parachuting in on this team. Wasn't on that, you know, didn't get to do this the last time around. It's his first entrance into this stage with this team. And what was on the line, I saw this stat, uh, Nick Zicardi at NBC Sports tweeted, In matches held outside the U.S., the men's national team was winless in its last 16 matches across all competitions and friendlies against World Cup teams. It had scored six goals in 16 matches, including one goal in its seven matches this year. Its last win had come against Germany in June of 2015.
1: Oh my god.
0: So we were due. Yeah. We were due in a big way. And the fact that the goal that put us over the hump, because we went into mm. this game needing to win, yeah. we couldn't draw or anything. We had to win to go against out of the group stage and advance to face the Netherlands on Saturday morning. Christian Pulisic scores on a play where he takes one of the more ferocious kicks to the dick I have ever mm. seen.
1: Brandon, you, you, you seem like you're in pain.
2: I, I, I'm excited because the the way that one goal came it was like it was like the the hockey assist like it was off a header like I like you know what I'm saying like there was it was so it was almost it was so perfect the energy's flowing like there's a lot of time in soccer watching the games we're like okay this is it like this is the time where the goal is happening like everyone's in position but that one was perfect. And then there's that drama where he didn't come off the field and he was down for so long and he finally got up. And obviously he couldn't even finish out this game. But I was I was, I was excited getting, living in the moment again where with all the, the, the real-life drama that's surrounding this match and mm-hmm. to see U.S. just be so serious about it. And back against the wall, we actually showed up like when we had to like it just it feels it feels good to be to rep your country in a way but it feels good to be an american when the world cup like like we said Landon Donovan like those times that we had before like we haven't had this for the men in a long time
0: do you guys buy the like the reality of the picture of Christian Pulisic in the hospital bed that's been going around since that game cuz he went off at halftime he has been uh Ruled day to day with a pelvic contusion. Mm-hmm. It originally started off where we do the thing where we call it an abdominal injury when it's really just you got it pushed up into your abdomen. <laughs> and there was the picture Wait, did of him that, posted back on? The picture of him posted from the hospital bed and the caption, it looks like it's a Snapchat. It's got the same kind of caption as a Snapchat, but it's kind of grainy on the writing in a way that looks fake to me. It wasn't on his Instagram story, but the caption is Christian Pulisic wearing this year's World Cup shirt in a hospital bed with a caption that says, so fucking proud of my guys, I'll be ready Saturday, don't worry, prayer hands emoji, heart emoji. And people are looking, like I saw Taylor Twelman and some legitimate people retweeting this, who I believe would know Taylor's camp, would know enough about the situation to buy it, but the picture looks like it's doctored. No, that's real. That's it's real the life. mask.
1: It's the mask makes it look like his head's photoshopped. On yeah. to that's what it is, but I think that's real. I think that has to be. I that mean, also real, because of, like all the reports are saying he'll be ready on Saturday. Oh, I believe
0: he'll be ready. It just looked like one of those pictures <laughs> that was too good to be true in the moment of the guy who's now like a U.S. hero for getting knocked in the no-no spot really, really hard.
1: I mean, I think that's I think that's real. I think it's a so little squat. bizarre, but I think it's real. I don't know why you would put that on. I didn't know people still use Snapchat, which is probably why I I think it's I think it's where young
0: people actually text now that's what I've heard from my friends who have teenage kids it's very bizarre (laughs) but and so he's probably (laughs) closer to their age speaking of people close to their age the other thing I learned about U.S. soccer today again taking cues from other people on what to be outraged about is that Gio Reyna not playing is an absolute travesty I have no idea why Greg (laughs) Greg Berhalter has been keeping him off the pitch he played next to he played very little at the end he came in like the eighteen eighty-ninth minute against England. He didn't play at all versus Wales and didn't play at all today. I'm sitting in a bar full of people that are just looking up that like, all right, Reina, like as things started to get away in the second half, Reina, who plays over in the Bundesliga and is supposed to be the next like under 20-year-old U.S. soccer star and isn't out there for some reason. And so the soccer people are all getting mad at Greg Berhalter for not putting him in. So now I am going to join them in a chorus of people angry that they're not playing our young stud so people can see how great he is.
1: Okay. I didn't know that either. Um, Probably because I was too focused on becoming the biggest Walker Zimmerman fan who's ever lived. Um, That guy comes in. A big brawny defender, the only guy who plays for an MLS team I think on the men's national team he plays for the Nashville team um, and he Damn. was just all over the place heading the ball away from our own goal and I loved it so
0: what, what I don't know who, I don't know
1: who were outraged I, I I didn't have time to be outraged because I didn't know I was supposed to be.
0: Yeah, no. This is uh, this is definitely one we can be pissed off about now together. But shout out to him. Shout yes. out to Matt Turner and Goal. Yes, man. Scariest yes. moment when he almost got five hold there, and Buddy came across and batted that thing away. So we get a chance to aim the cannon at the Dutch this weekend, and I don't know. We're playing with house money now. Like I know we got Pat. We went in here and we didn't get knocked out in the group stage after missing the World Cup before playing England to a draw felt huge. And so now moving on to the knockout stage, this feels like a great opportunity to just go, and I'm sorry to Christian Pulisic for phrasing it this way, but let it all hang out. Mm.
1: I, I think that's true. I also think something Brandon said, which is that they showed up, is the key thing here. I think not only did they make it out of the group stage, but like they really tried. I was so worried. They were playing so hard and so fast and taking so many shots. And Iran sort of was like, didn't seem to have much of a plan except to try to tire the US out and i was so worried that i i, I was just like oh my god and like the last quarter of this game they irans just going to score like three goals cuz we're going to be so gassed and we were so gassed and yet we still yes. held them off and i was like oh my god that and i think that that's something that that's like the power of youth right there like those guys dug right. energy out of a place that i have long since lost but i think that it was really cool to watch that work
2: yeah absolutely but that's the youngest team yeah on on the pitch like for the world cup so i think it's it's good muscle memory in a sense to see even with the nine minutes of stoppage time like everyone from iran was was laid out at the end everyone from america laid out at the end of that game just exhausted like we just like yes tap into that every
0: time and that's the only way we're going to be able to uh, advance in the world cup So now, as big footballing fans, we're all going to offer up our spirit bomb energy to, number one, help Christian Pulisic's uh, pelvic injury. Heal before Saturday's game and to also get Greg Burhalter to play Gio Reyna. We've got a bunch of tired guys. We don't know. I, I don't think there's any truth to the rumors about his fitness. And so we want to see that young man out there <laughs> blasting goals for the U.S. of A. to get us past the Dutch, who the only real reference I have for the Dutch is a bunch of vague Austin Powers gold member references. And so I'm going to keep those in the chamber until Saturday. Let the choir say amen. 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 All Mike, right.
2: Before we move off of soccer, I'm sorry. You know I do this but I do want to thank Ted Lasso for giving us the prototype to understand our own team right like everyone like every time there's a long-haired uh, quarterback or someone on a team's like oh sunshine cuz of rumor the titans like we need popular media to show us like the prototypes of who's on our
0: own team so I appreciate that there we go. Big ups to Ted Lasso, season also, three.
1: Also, I think we would be remiss in not shouting out the Big Green, the best sports movie that has ever been made in the history of American cinema. People don't talk about it yes. enough. Mike, do you have you seen the Big Green? Okay, Travis I this is you, we, to you need to you need to watch it. The Big Green is the most chaotic. I don't even know if it holds up because I haven't watched it in a while. There's like an immigration plot line that I don't know how that does. There's a cop. (laughs) The whole thing is. I think the memory sounds.
0: It it sounds problematic. Yeah, but there's an
1: English teach. An English school teacher shows up to a tiny town in Texas and teaches the kids how to play soccer, and they go up against like these massive club teams, and it's a really. uh, You don't watch it, maybe. Yeah, and oh. it's uh, Patrick Renner, the Rena, the guy from The Sandlot.
2: Oh, as the goalie, okay. as the goalie, and he Honestly, has these
1: hallucinations, they, like uh, that when the team called yeah. the Knights are running towards him and he's in goal. It's a bunch of actual knights on horseback, and like, yeah.
2: I will say this. I will say this, Charlotte. Thank you for mentioning the big green, mm-hmm. but kicking and screaming did it better.
1: Yeah, you're probably right. I think my my memory of it is better. Than, I don't think we should watch it. I don't know that that holds up.
2: Here we go. It is. I I watched it semi recently within the last 10 years and it's kind of funny still. We're
0: going to let the big green live in Amber where it belongs. (laughs) Speaking of young people playing sports on grass and sometimes turf, let's talk about college football. Uh, The college football playoff committee came out with their penultimate rankings. And I think penultimate does fall into the category of stave where we really only use it regularly in the world of sports. I could be wrong on that and just boorish. I know that for stave for sure because all you do is stave off elimination.
1: <laughs> when you said stave, I was like, "Are you saying
0: the word stove wrong?" I was like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> stave, "Stave like I'm from Pittsburgh."
1: Yeah, yeah. I was like, "Are you gonna call home?"
2: <laughs> I was like, "This is the, this is me telling on myself that I was like, oh, I don't. I must not really be a sports fan because I know nothing of a stave."
1: Stave off, I get.
2: Stay Penultimate. Right.
1: Yes, yeah. Penultimate, though. thats you. Isn't that used for like movie franchises?
0: I think so, but I just watch it's a lot of sports. the rankings reaction show with Reese Davis, and so I attribute it to him because he gave himself credit for them, kind of like uh, Deion Sanders gave himself credit for inventing the word braggadocious yesterday. So if you believe it and yeah, you say it out you. loud, you can achieve it. And... Uh, <laughs> So we got the penultimate round of rankings. The last ones are going to come out Sunday after the conference title games are all wrapped up. And these ones seemed kind of boring and cut and dry for the most part. Stop me if you were surprised by any of this. Georgia still checking in at number one. There was some debate there, but Michigan played nobody in their out-of-conference schedule. Georgia beat the you know absolute dog shit out of Oregon week one. That alone versus the three games Michigan played. Probably tops out there, even if they beat Ohio State. TCU checks in at number three, USC at four, and then Ohio State at five, Alabama over Tennessee at six, and Tennessee checking in at seven. That would probably be the biggest beef with this right off the bat, right, is that you've got Alabama ranked over a Tennessee team that beat them earlier this year.
1: Yeah, I don't love that. I think that feels like, I mean, you know, sure, the Henning Hooker's hurt, he's not going to be – so I heard, you know, on the – playoff on the show, ranking show, they were like, oh, well, you know, without Hendon Hooker, like how can you really rank this team above? And I'm like, ah, sure, but it's a team. It's not like a quarterback matchup. Like this is a team, Tennessee beat Alabama. Alabama has two losses, right? That's right. And- Alabama has
0: two losses, to team. Like Tennessee beat Alabama, one, yes. and then beat the other team that beat Alabama, into sleep like they beat lsu at lsu into submission at noon on a saturday so yes that is what they have over alabama decidedly they've got an ugly loss to a south carolina team that is now ranked decently highly by the way
1: yes it all feels like it feels like that alabama bias coming back and i don't know if it's like that good for ratings i don't know if they're trying that hard to be like hey so you're saying there's a chance if one of these four teams really messes up like First of all, no way you could do that. You could put Alabama over Ohio State, but also I, I was I, I did the like sports fan like oh what like what like Bama over Tennessee and maybe that's cliche, but I really think it's I get what they're doing. I don't love it.
0: So I and I would say this because I think it becomes an interesting conversation of who's actually in play now from here on out because when we look at conference championship weekend. Georgia even if they were to lose to LSU and they're like 17 and a half point favorites on Draftking's uh, sports book highly unlikely but if they did Georgia's still making the playoff they would make it as a lower seed but they're still making the playoff. if Michigan were to lose to Purdue they're still making the playoff. if USC loses they're out of the picture. Mm -hmm. USC's already got one loss. It's to the Utah team that they are playing. It's a rematch in the Pac-12 championship game. And worth noting, DraftKings has USC as a three-point favorite. ESPN FPI has Utah with a 61.2% chance to win this. So kind of weird one to watch out for there. USC riding high off that Notre Dame win. But if they lose, they're out. It'd be two losses to the same team. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You're probably screwed. TCU is the interesting one. Because if they lose, it's a rematch for them against a Kansas State team they beat before. They are favorites going into that game per FPI and per DraftKings Sportsbook. If they were to lose that game, I don't think they should be knocked out. They've got right now college football. Uh, the One of the ranking metrics that they use is strength of resume. It is... What is the percent chance that a top 25 team, an average top 25 team, would have of going out here and accomplishing exactly what you did against your given schedule? I tell people all the time, at the end of every year, when you look, the old BCS rankings are almost spot on four for forward picking the top four, and the strength of resume is usually the most instructive metric for who ends up in that final four. You're almost always a team that's at the very least in the top six of that metric. And TCU is number one right now, heading into a weekend where they're getting set to play a ranked team in uh, in Kansas State. Kansas State is ranked 10th right now. So it would be a loss to a top 10 team if that were to happen in an extra game that to me would feel a lot like penalizing LeBron James for losing in the finals again just because he made it to the extra games again.
1: Yes, I totally agree. I don't think that I – think, I think it should be um... – Everybody's like, everybody's saying what you're saying about Georgia. Like, obviously, even if they lose, they'll still be in. I feel like that should go for TCU as well. I mean, they've had big wins. Nobody thought they'd be here. Um, I think dropping, as you said, like they would only have lost one game this season. Um, And that to me is exactly, you can't be punished for showing up to the thing that you were like lucky to get to. When the other teams in this discussion don't have to, like you can't put an Ohio State that did not have to play another game over a TCU that did. Is my personal, I, I I just don't think that that, I think that nope. goes against everything that the the committee is supposed to reward.
0: Yeah, conference championships are one of the other metrics that they're supposed to consider, and while winning it certainly would be important to make sure that that metric is counted for. I think making it to that weekend and also having it, they call it the 13th data point because it's the 13th game you're playing, having it be against a ranked team certainly yeah. matters here. And for TCU, too, like you said, they've already got a win over what is now in the last rankings, not at the time. TCU is number – or Kansas State is number 10 now, and they beat Kansas State. They also beat Texas, who's sitting at number 20, and they did that pretty recently. So you've got pretty two pretty good ranked wins on your resume if you're TCU what becomes interesting is if TCU and USC were to lose and that's why I brought up the FPI stuff about that Utah game because it's not a foregone conclusion those are field goal lines in both those games as far as like the gambling portion of this so they're gonna be close TCU was down 14 points to Kansas State in that game before they ultimately came back if both of them were to lose now Ohio State's back in the mix And I don't think Alabama should be in the mix, but at the same time, if you were weighing them or Tennessee there, now I think it's fair to start wondering about the quarterback spot. Now as you start to project, you go, well, this team's got the reigning Heisman Trophy winner on their squad. They lost both of their games close, even though they only had a couple of wins that would even border on impressive that were close. But their quarterback's there. And then you've got Ohio State that's sitting there, a non-conference champ with one loss to a team that's number two in the country. So they would – like Ohio State, if – USC and TCU were to both lose. Ohio State's probably jumping in over where that spot USC would have been. And then I think TCU should still be in at that point. I think they should be in over a two-loss Alabama. But I think that would be Ohio State's backdoor entry into the playoff.
1: I think so too, but where, where do you put them then? Is Ohio State four?
0: Yeah, I think that becomes the interesting part. So, and a lot of that too would depend. Like, if TCU lost a really close game, and so many of their games, I did their Iowa State game this last weekend, and that was one of the few blowouts on the season. Even that game against Texas, where they went out and didn't fall behind and seemed in control, was a seven point win at the end mm-hmm. of the game. So they tend to play these games pretty close. If they were to lose a close game, And then USC were to lose, yeah, I think you would put them at three and you would still have Ohio State at four. One loss in the conference championship against a team that you beat earlier in the year, I would have them at the three spot still, and I would have Ohio State at that four spot. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, Call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by masked Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York.
2: Is there any pressure on the committee to set the table for a good matchup? Because there has been those embarrassing losses and blowouts in the you know the playoff games. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame's been a part of that sometimes, and I think they might be afraid of someone like a TCU being embarrassed by a Georgia. The way Georgia uh, embarrassed Tennessee, because I honestly think outside of the top four, a lot of the co- committees looking at you know who's playing around those people. And Alabama really did, or Georgia really did make everyone they played looked like they shouldn't have been on the field with them.
0: Um, no, I don't think they'll play around with those matchups. The only thing that really is important for the committee to consider is, and that's why the Michigan conversation was one that was interesting to some people this week and could be depending on how conference championship weekend goes, right? If Georgia were to somehow lose and Michigan ends up at one, the one seed is supposed to get geographical preference over, um, who their opponent is when it comes to the site of the semifinal game. So you're supposed Mm -hmm. to have a semifinal game that's closer to a home game as close geographically as possible so it's easy for your fan base to get there so it's an advantage for your players that's supposed to be the reward for the one seed so that's the one that matters the rest of it no like because there would also be in this scenario the possibility of a rematch with ohio state and michigan in the first round mm. of the playoff if you were to organize that differently and have them as the two and three seeds. so i don't think that stuff gets considered no i i think that you know, people theorize about that, but again, these conversations are so cutthroat inside that room for ranking the teams where they are that I, I don't think that would factor into it.
1: I think it's interesting though. Like I, I don't want a matchup of Ohio, of Ohio State, Michigan, and no. like I, I no. like I don't want that at all. And I, and I think that. I don't know if I were on the on the committee, I think I would have have a hard time not taking those things into consideration, which like maybe is why I'm not on the committee, among a lot of other reasons. But I think that um, what was last year? What was the. Was it Cincinnati? That Cincinnati, played Alabama. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I can see I can see an argument for and I don't think they consider this either, but it's just sort of interesting from like a fan perspective to think about what you want to see. Like that was a, a bummer.
0: Um. Oh yeah, but it was <laughs> it was also nice. Like it was also good to see a group of five team finally get in. It sets for the totally. table for the expansion conversation. And even this year, if you're doing like a a checkup health of the sport thing, having USC back in there would be objectively great. Having TCU in there as we get ready for a new look Big Twelve with Texas and Oklahoma on the way out would be great. They've been a darling team all year. They've had the fun social media presence, like all of that. We know this has been shuffling deck chairs in the Titanic for a while. We know we're probably feeding everyone to the Georgia buzzsaw when it gets to the top of the tournament. But as far as making this feel more open and accessible to a lot of people who maybe like, I enjoy watching the very best teams. I had no problem watching Alabama and Clemson play year after year when those two teams were clearly the best ones in college football. I had no problem watching Alabama and Georgia play multiple times in the last five or six years when that was the case because I like watching the best football up top, but I do recognize a growing number of people that look and want to see a few different helmets in this when it is warranted, and like TCU's gone out and earned the right to have that opportunity USC, if they win this game and erase their one loss of the season, will have gone out and earned that right, so it's not like I'm asking for something that shouldn't be happening there, I'm just saying the way it's situated now, where if we chalk out these will be the four teams that we get I think in a lot of ways it's an awesome way to springboard into what expansion is going to look like in the college football playoff because this was a year with as much parody as I can remember in the sport in quite some time
1: yeah I, I think who was it action cookbook on twitter tweeted um that he thought that there should be every year it should be decided how big the playoffs are like one year it should be 12 teams another year depending on how many Ooh. teams that are good there should be four maybe one it's just the championship because you know exactly who it should be and I was like that is actually my favorite theory i've ever heard because this year you have so many good teams that it's like let them Mm -hmm. all battle it out like it seems almost stupid to try to get the top four i mean not really because it's pretty clear cut right now but i i was just like i love the idea of letting not only the committee if we're if we're already deciding by using our human eyes and not a computer who deserves to be where, maybe we should also decide how many of them deserve to play each other. And maybe that should change every year. And I sort of love it.
0: I love it too, because think about the discourse. Yes, exactly. Well, like, I honestly, the big winner of this would be large-scale national shows. Like, I can hear, like, diehard college football people wanting to headbutt a screwdriver. But think (laughs) of the national shows, like Stephen A. Smith getting to have an argument every week about how many teams the playoffs should expand to. It's a playoff Mm. expansion argument as soon as you hit mid-October every single year it would
1: give it would give so much content like i think that's why i want it because i'm so firmly on through the looking glass in terms of being in sports media that i think it it would just be like oh my god it would give us one other element it would be like zooming in as you move the camera away you know it would be like those sort of trippy yes. trippy moments where you get to just like there're too many variables for it to make any sense and it's just like the most fun thing you could ever talk about.
2: Well, it's just like the reason why I didn't like the Switch from the BCS because I felt like it was still going to just be subjective at the end of the day, and I think this adds a variable into the subjectiveness, like of like you know uh Notre Dame would constantly if this was a real life, like Notre Dame would constantly be told at the end of the season, like yes guys, it's cute, but you're not there. Like I know you guys think that we should do one more like game because you're oh, good this see, year, but you're just not there. The same way that I think Washington, you, you think State, that Clemson I think you're, would be like you guys aren't here now.
0: I think you're. Dead wrong. I think they'd bend over backwards really? to shoehorn I do, Dude, I do too. These people like money. Yeah, that is the only thing that they care about for this on the decision making on the top end. Like we're going to talk about CFP expansion a little bit later, and the reason they want it to happen earlier is because it would make them almost half a billion dollars more. Period. Yeah, and they
1: want they want the marquee teams in. They want they want the Notre Dame's. They oh, want the yeah, USC's. Yeah, yeah. They want the. I mean, even, yeah, even like and, uh, to be State clear, we're talking about not,
0: not the committee. We're talking about the people who control the playoff yes. expansion, yes, yes, TV yes. right stuff, the university presidents, the people that actually control these decisions.
1: Yes, yes. But I, it would be a fun, chaotic um, injection, I believe.
0: Oh, a, a, a direct injection of life straight into our veins. It would be incredible. also. Then
1: you do, then you start playing with the transfer portal of like depending on like guys what? are are making their decisions. It's like when do, does the transfer portal match up with the announcement of oh, what, how many games are good? You know, it's like right. beautiful stuff.
0: The transfer portal coaching jobs would be affected by this because if you're a team that has a chance of making the playoff and you're a coach, you have to weigh jumping before you have that opportunity, taking a job somewhere else. Can you even do that for players that might opt out to get ready for the draft? You're waiting to figure out for those guys, hey, if I have a playoff shot, I might stick around for this bowl game as opposed to punting on that the way that we've seen. So there would be so many people. You'd have to have like a specific date where it's decided by for a lot of reasons, and this is totally unrealistic because of all the bowl money stuff that controls all of this anyway but if we're going to fantasize about this suspending reality for a bit then yeah watching all of those people have to weigh that in real time would be incredible theater
2: and draft capital what about that? Like the Malik, the Malik Willis's of the world, or the Carson yep. Wentz's and the Josh Allen's of the world, like playing with like structure of divisions and stuff, just to get that guy who's going to be high in the draft playing in the college football playoffs. But uh, to get back to reality quickly, yeah, I do love that the teams that are represented and that probably will play in the playoffs is a mix of a team like Michigan that really didn't play in the transfer portal at all, is kind of homegrown, or like like Georgia as well, and then USC who just, like, stacked the deck. Like, I I like that, how, uh, you know, I just like where the game is right now.
0: With all the changes that have happened, the football on the field seems to have gotten better. Yeah, it's an incredible Styles makes fights potential Final Four here. Because you're right, if the football bails us out and gives us chalk... It is great matchups already of two teams built in the trenches with coaches that have been there now for a while and Harbaugh and Kirby Smart who want to win in a similar way. And Georgia showed last year they win in that way better than Michigan right now. That would be one of the next hurdles that Michigan's got to clear as a program. And then USC and TCU, both coaches in their first year at that school, both coaches that in year one would have come over and taken their team immediately to the college football playoff. USC is getting ready to leave for the Big Ten, and yet the Pac-12 technically gets to bang the drum on this. TCU is getting ready to try and jockey for position at the top of a new Big 12 that's getting ready to welcome Cincinnati and those teams this next year and try Ooh. and dominate the state of Texas now that Texas is leaving there and you already have AM over in the SEC. So there's a bunch of very good storylines, even if you just want to do it from the narrative sense, but like from the football sense, Caleb Williams is going to win the Heisman. Hell yeah, I want to see that guy potentially go up again. Against Georgia's defense, that would be incredible to see. How, how high does this thing really climb?
1: Yeah, I also think that the the Lincoln Riley USC, um, there's something so you know with TCU in the Big Twelve and Oklahoma, you know Lincoln Riley deserts Oklahoma and go. It, it, it's almost like that that matchup is sort of. I know that they're the teams that with two. First year head coaches um, going, and then the Michigan and the Georgia of it all. But I think that there's something also really interesting about this guy leaves, you know, the heartland, gets the huge house in California, brings everybody with him, and, and it works. And then he is all of a sudden, there's this team from Texas on his heels. Is this, I, I didn't, you know, I, I don't know who mm. could have seen that coming. I think there's something really interesting about the from regionality. The and oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah.
0: oh, it's just like, such a, yeah. TCU was picked seventh in the Big 12 to start the season. Like USC, we expected things right. day one yeah. from them. They were supposed also- to go out.
1: Which is also insane that, that we got them. I thought this was going to be such a huge disaster. I thought it was so overhyped. I was like, sure, it'll take two, three years. And the fact that they are where they are is is really kind of stunning to me.
0: So if, uh, again, just one last, like one last one here because we touched on it before. If USC and TCU both lost, the last two teams in the college football playoff should be who? We would have still – TCU in the mix with one loss as a non-conference champ. We'd have Ohio State in the mix, one loss as a non-conference champ. Alabama, two losses as a non-conference champ. And Tennessee, two losses with a win over Alabama head-to-head, but a backup quarterback in there now. Who would you put in those final two spots?
1: I would still put TCU, um, but I would put Ohio State. I think it's hard to argue that a team that, sure, Michigan beat them. It wasn't a close game, um, and they sort of seemed to fall apart. But I think that even – I think that with what Ohio State has done this year and how dominant they've been, to to put a team that only has one loss, to choose an Alabama or a Tennessee over that, to me, seems like – you're trying to do too much algebra in some, or or like too much calculus. It's like just just do the simple math and like put the team. Michigan's number two. That is their one loss. Like I don't quite see how there's any other argument.
0: No, I would agree. I would keep TCU in there. I would have Ohio State sneak in. If it came down to Alabama or Tennessee, I have a real hard time here because I think Tennessee should be ranked above Alabama right now. But I also think Joe Milton now being in at quarterback, while he is an incredible, high-talent guy, was supposed to be the dude at Michigan... I do think Hendon Hooker was such a big part. He was a Heisman Trophy candidate for the majority of that season for Tennessee, and part of the human committee was always there to be able to look and notice this stuff and project forward with that in mind. And if you were gonna snake one of those teams in there... Even as lackluster as they've been, I could very easily see them choosing it to be Alabama. I wouldn't have them in there for all the reasons that we mentioned right now, but if you me choose between those two, I think putting Alabama in there as close as they played that Tennessee game, and especially with having the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, would probably be the one that pushed it over the line for me. So... But uh, yeah, I'm with you. TCU and Ohio State would be the answer there. Hopefully, I, I'm rooting for chalk this weekend. I want it to be good games. I want it to be close. But I really like this Final Four. And I would love to watch this play out on the big stage. So hopefully we get the chance to try and pull that off here. I want to end it on the right note here. Brandon, do you know what time it is?
2: Is it time for that right now?
0: It's time for that, Brandon.
2: (sighs) Well, let me, uh, let me get ready.
1: I just had a thought, which is, this is so corny. Sometimes I don't know how my brain works, but I was like, man, it's so cool that I'm, I'm sitting here in the podcast with you guys. I was like, I was like, I'm in the podcast. You know when you're listening to a podcast and you're like, oh man, it sounds like they're having so much fun. I was just like, holy shit, I'm in it. I'm inside the... I'm like, I'm in, in the computer.
0: In <laughs> the files I'm in are the in the computer. computer. Hey. Wow. And, and so is everyone else listening right now. Thank That's, you for being that here. Sound, that was both incredibly sweet and also sounded super baked.
1: Yeah. I, see, <laughs> <laughs> the other day, I... Ate a very tiny, tiny, tiny amount of a drug, Um, and like the kind, like the amount that should not do that does not do anything to you. And I um, was convinced that I was unbelievably high. And I've also had CBD gummies that 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 literally do nothing and have ended up like laughing uncontrollably on the floor so i i'm not someone who needs any substance to already be like you can give me a gummy bear that is completely made of sugar and tell me something's in it and i will convince myself that i am seeing god because that's how my brain works so
0: I'm not oh, on man, anything it. right now. I was gonna say, natural, like actually high on life. What a tremendous place to be. <laughs> natural high. It is
1: weird inside my brain, you guys. That's what I will. I mean, you've uh, heard me talk about like cargo planes before. You know where things go.
2: Yeah, you're you're high off community right now. Yeah, and we really, we love it.
1: Anyway, Bra-
0: Brandon, are you high off the majesty of song right now? <laughs> are you?
2: Now guys, uh, this is the last day of November. It's been a traditionally horny uh, God week, damn but it. tomorrow uh. we turn the page and it is December and it's time for Christmas, but had to end no-rut November uh, in only one way possible. I'm gonna take my time. She won't get hers before I. I'm gonna take it slow. I'm not gonna rush, stroll so she can get it. This that in the dirt, so I can get it. This that in the dirt, so we can get it. This that in the dirt. This that in the dirt. Whoa.
0: I think I speak for everyone in the listening audience when I say, Brandon, congrats on the sex.
1: (laughs) The whole time you were doing that and I was laughing uncontrollably, all I could see was Hypnotoad from the TCU board. It was like Hypnotoad dancing in my brain and I was like, now I am really on something.
0: If anyone from TCU Athletics (laughs) listens to this podcast, grant me a gift and do a special Hypnotoad edition of Sexual Seduction. I beg you. Please. Uh, As always, uh, if you enjoyed that, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo, wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. Yeah, if you like that, leave us a five-star review. Honestly, leave us a review, maybe a cigarette emoji or two, and (laughs) thank every God that will listen that you won't have to hear Brandon talk about how horny he is for another day. The last few days have been trying.
2: (laughs) For you, Mike, I've had a lot of other positive
0: reviews, but, you know, whatever. Good. I hope I hope you get a positive review where it matters. Uh, I need a
1: glass of water after that one.
0: Yeah, I uh, honestly, I'm going to take a
2: sip myself I, here. My favorite part about this whole bit, whatever is going on right now, is I have no idea if you liked it or not.
1: If, <laughs> if we liked it?
2: Well, specifically, Mike. Because yeah, like oh. he's, he's been dealing with the horniness for a very long time. I just, I think it's, it's,
0: it's how often you felt the need to say horny for the last few days. Like There's no clever innuendo. My, the song was wonderful and masterfully done, but you're just horny on main right now. <laughs> you're out here on God's internet or God's podcast net, just very loudly. Proclaim. And I know your wife listens to this too. That's the other part that I'm like, I don't my, know what to do with this.
2: I'm a seasonal guy. What do you want from me? Like, I just, I know how to, I know how to put the, I'll do anything as long as there's an outfit for it. And this is the same thing. This is not the same
0: thing.
1: I don't even understand that.
0: don't <laughs> either. That makes no sense.
1: But sometimes when I'm on podcasts, I pretend that I get what's going on and I laugh and I'm like, oh yeah, haha. ha. I'm not going to pretend. I have no idea what's happening right now
0: uh charlotte i used to do that I, all I, the time when brandon would call me on his boost mobile phone in college and i wouldn't be able to understand stop. him and i just have to be like man that's crazy <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm a, i my, don't, don't bring up my androids on this podcast right now
0: oh that was those were dark times um anyway Let's get to this, that, and the third, uh, guys. We talked about playoff expansion, and this one's sort of interesting. The Granddaddy of All, the Rose Bowl, Charlotte. You were out at the Rose Bowl for the USC UCLA game not too long ago. Um, the Rose Bowl, traditionally the oldest bowl game, a matchup of the Big Ten and the Pac twelve. One of the really like big pageantry games. You get the parade of roses and all that stuff has been given an ultimatum by the folks in charge of expanding the college football playoff. They have basically said, because the Rose Bowl, like they've always gotten, wants continued special treatment. They want to continue to have their window 5 p.m. Eastern on January 1st, and they want to be involved at least two out of every three years as one of the semifinal games. And the college football playoff expansion committee that needs – Approval from all six of the New Year's six bowl games, so Sugar, Orange, Fiesta, Peach, Cotton, and Rose, in order to expand and collect a potential $420 million by triggering playoff expansion in 2024, has been like, no, you guys are going to take the deal and you guys are going to do what we want, or we're going to move on without you. So it feels weird because this is a spot where the Rose Bowl technically represents the traditions of college football that are slowly being eroded by all of the money and change in the sport. But they've always kind of had their own way, and this feels a little bit petulant to say, no, we want it the way it's always been. We're not going to go along. So are you rooting for tradition, even though it seems like it's a little petulant, or the money-hungry machine that continues to eat everything about the sport that just wants to make half a billion dollars of TV money?
1: I don't know if I have Rose Bowl-colored glasses on because I feel like watching the you see what i did there i couldn't even keep talking i was so proud um i because i was just there and because (laughs) my favorite moment in college football is that sunset at the the 5 p.m eastern start as the sun goes down in california as the game goes on yeah i really love that i really love that i love the rose bowl i love that tradition i love the new year's day game and so I don't want that to go away. And I think the Rose Bowl, having spent some time there and, and talked to some of the people there, takes itself very seriously. I think it thinks very highly of itself. I think it thinks it's better than every other stadium. And in some ways it is, but that's so LA of it. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you go to you go yeah. to you go to Tiger Stadium at LSU. Death Valley, and it's just like, oh, this is the most metal thing I've ever seen. You go to the Rose Bowl, and you're like, you're fancy, and you're beautiful, mm-hmm. um, and so maybe you shouldn't get treatment. Other, but like, also, I want it to be there, so I'm, I'm on, I'm on their side.
0: I yeah, think in general, it's gonna find a way they're going to find a way to make this work because I think both sides really want to say that they're still involved with all this. I think this is everyone from the CFP and all the reporting sounds like they're really trying to brush back the Rose Bowl off the plate to get them to fall in line like the other games and not make this weird going forward because Mm -hmm. they want the brand of the Rose Bowl. That brand is also worth money to them, but I think they're also tired of having that. So I'd imagine there's some sort of meet in the halfway. I'd be stunned if the Rose Bowl wasn't a site for the CFP semis two of the three years as much as it would suck and the other bowls are probably pissed about that i would imagine that's probably the give on this because the brand of the rose bowl is one that no one's going to complain about if it's the site two or three years even if it's extra travel for some people involved which would certainly lose out because this is all about money the rose bowl makes money and smells like money like charlotte said so the money folks are going to be in there and find a way to get this done um it's important tradition and
2: I, as many elements are out there that have bowl game names Cheez-Its and Oreos and <laughs> and what's it and who's it and insurance and Belk like I think let's let's let, let let's let
0: the Rose keep a bowl yeah. and let's make it important cuz it is speaking of important things guys let's get to that um, congratulations to Patrick Mahomes uh, him and his wife had a new baby Patrick Bronze Levon nice. Mahomes the 3rd um you said you said bronze, bronze <laughs> uh bronze is in quotes. So I'm looking at Patrick Mahomes' Instagram post welcoming his baby to the world. And okay. young Patrick uh has bronze in quotation. So I don't know if that's a nickname, what they're going to call him okay. instead of Patrick. Um, you know, since you know some people like to differentiate LeBron James Jr. calls himself oh, Bronny bronze, James. Like the third. Yeah. I get it. Oh. oh. Yes. Oh, oh wow. Cool. Oh, wow. Oh. We, all, we all talked about this before we got on air on this podcast, <laughs> and none of us could understand why Bronze was the nickname. And <gasps> we all legitimately, this is not a fabrication. This is not theater. This is us legitimately having oh our minds blown. Oh, my
1: God. I was, like, I was like, you know what I really appreciate? I appreciate that Brittany and Patrick Mahomes are naming their son Bronze, Because it's like setting the bar a little bit lower. So if he jumps over it and gets silver right. or gold, he's succeeded beyond mm. their wildest dreams. And isn't that lovely? But it's actually just the third.
0: Well, spe- <laughs> speaking in wonderful things about this birth announcement, besides that, that just rocked our world. I loved this moment in the comments under the photo. <laughs> the sunglasses brand Oakley chimes in. <laughs> And by the way, we're a Knockaround podcast. Check out knockaround.com for great deals on polarized sunglasses. Um, Oakley, who I think sponsors Patrick Mahomes, commented and said, congrats, guys. Absolutely beautiful news. Can't wait to see (laughs) bronze in his first pair of Oakleys. Sunglasses emoji. Guys, if you had to have a brand sponsor the birth of your kid, who would you want it to be?
1: My Crocs.
0: Oh my god, that answer came so quickly. <laughs> and it's so great.
1: I want I want and Crocs if you're listening, when I have if I'm lucky enough to have children, I would like Crocs to be the first comment that says congrats, can't wait to see him or her in their tiny little pair of Crocs.
0: Baby Crocs so would be good. cute for the like announcement too. Or, then... or
1: if we're getting really, really into the men's style weeds, uh, well, I guess unisex style weeds, uh, Merrill Hydro But I don't think Merrill has simply its own account for Hydro
0: So I'm going to go with Crocs. What are Hydro Are those boat shoes? No, they are it's like self
2: explanatory. If you're coming thinking about Merrill,
0: <laughs>
1: I'm gonna. I'm sending you. Hold on.
0: Brandon, while she's looking that up, what brand would you want to sponsor the birth of your next child?
1: Well, now now
2: it feels like there's nothing better, but I, w- I would lean towards Bronnie. And I'm maybe uh, I'm uh, being Ooh. wasteful by choosing a, a paper towel brand. Oh, wow. But as a parent who's constantly cleaning things up and you really do need it. And the the, the way you can wet a paper towel and it instantly becomes a, 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 a vapor. I mean a... <laughs> A baby wipe, excuse me. I, I blanked out on a thing I use 10 times a day. But yes, like I just, I love a nice paper towel brand uh, and, I, and, and not one that's biodegradable because that's not going to work when you're dealing with a baby.
1: Wow.
0: Man, I would I, prob- Is there a
1: chat in here? I'm trying to send you the. Yes, there
0: yes, is. There is. This I is would great probably. For our listeners. I would think about going Kellogg. I know. I want whatever the Kellogg's. biggest cereal brand I can find is to sponsor that because I know how much I like cereal, and I feel like if I were to you know become a parent, I would dip back into some of the laziness of my youth in college. And cereal is mm. a great lazy <gasps> meal for breakfast or for dinner.
1: Yeah, I love that. That's a great answer, Mike. Also iconic. Oh, I just, I just gasped. I just I just
0: gasped looking at. Are you these looking
1: at the Hydrox
0: Crocs? Yeah, those are those are basically like how they talk about putting Crocs in sport mode. These yeah. are if a Croc yeah. only had sport mode.
1: Exactly, exactly. There, I, I have a pair. I, okay. I'm not going to lie. I uh, have a say, a pair in camo green. That Damn. is
2: that is amazing, Mike. You said my wife listens to the podcast, not this deep into it. Uh, I'm getting those for her for Christmas.
1: Yes, great. They're <laughs> I hard. love them.
0: Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell, yeah. All right. Oh, man. Solid, solid's all around here. Uh, great news, which brings us, uh, guys. So, at Gojo Show on Twitter, by the way, if you're going to have a brand sponsor your kid's next birth, what would it be? I feel like I'm going to have to workshop this a little bit more still. I felt good about that one, but I feel like I can do better. And so, we're, I'm going to try and work on that and get it out when the podcast comes out. You know what
1: would be a hilarious one? It's hymns.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, All right. Well, I honest I was say, say, honestly, if we're going to go down that road, like Trojan. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, if we want to, this is not this road, but more where Charlotte was before.
0: Any weed gummy. Yes. Yeah. No. Also fair. Big Pharma <laughs> being like. <laughs> shout, shout out to CBDMD. We appreciate y'all. Um, yeah, exactly. All right, uh, guys, let's get to the third. Um, So I just noticed this this year, and I think it's new. Apple Music and Spotify at war for graphic challenges at the end of the season. Spotify Wrapped is something that people have become pretty used to over the years. uh, A year-end review of your musical tastes, if that's the platform you listen on. And this year, Apple has decided to get in on the action as well. They have got what I believe is called... Apple Replay, which goes back and documents what you listen to most over the years. We all took back a look at our respective platform here, guys. Uh, Charlotte, you are the mm-hmm. one of us on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Have they given out festival lineups? Is that their new thing this year?
1: Yeah, so I think that's a that's a site I had to go to. I'm sure they'll do the Spotify wrapped. I don't know if I just haven't gotten it yet, but um, I put... Right before we started recording here, I put my little Spotify login into Instafest app, and here is the. Would you like to hear the festival lineup they generated yes. for me? Yes,
2: absolutely. <sighs>
1: okay, I need to. I need to make this its own window so I can see your faces also as I read this. Thank I don't you for have sharing a, this with us. I don't have a two monitor setup here, guys. Where'd you? I'm on. Ugh, see now, I'm just on the Hydromax website.
0: Oh, jeez. Got a lot going so on at once here. Link.
1: Okay, here we go. Here we go. Are you ready? Uh, Tuesday, November yes. 29th, the headliner is Taylor Swift. Um, the following acts are Sheryl Crow, Bleachers, Dawes, Madison Cunningham, Julian Baker, George Harrison, Chris Stapleton, Harry Styles, Wonder Horse, Dua Lipa, and Frank Sinatra. Damn! <laughs> Frank from the Raptors. Then uh, Wednesday, the headliner is Carly Rae Jepsen. With Maggie Rogers-Heim, Phoebe Bridgers, Muna, John Mayer, Jack White, Beyonce, Phil Collins, the Royal Guardsmen, Lucy Dacus, and Rihanna.
0: Jesus Christ, Charlotte, you have a type. (laughs)
2: Even even Spotify knows to keep John Mayer and Taylor Swift on different days.
1: Exactly, exactly. And then uh, Thursday, December 1st, this this one really kills me. Uh, Headlined by the 1975... Then you've got the Beatles and Bruce Springsteen. Then you've got Slaybells, Casey Musgraves, Sam Cooke, Sarah Hennessy, Sturgill Simpson, Ooh. Meek Mill, The Beach Boys, Counting Crows, and Tyler Childers.
0: Wow. God, Charlotte, your third stage cements the fact that you were always <laughs> supposed to be a sports writer.
2: <laughs> it's hey. So, it's hey. so bad. Hey, yesterday. Going into dreams and nightmares, that's gonna yeah. be crazy. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's true. you pay for it, Brandon. You pay Brandon, for it. Him bringing out oh, Meek yeah. for a song.
1: I really, I only listen to women, basically, and like mostly dead guys. Well,
2: women and dead guys and, and, and men. Yeah, men that have been affected by
0: women, like Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Yeah. So, Brandon, were you able to look this stuff up yet, or do you need me to go first? I have the names of those people, but I don't have them in, in the festival form. So I don't have them in festival form either. I was an Apple replay guy, which means the only yeah. interesting thing that came out of this for me. So my top five artists are kind of the weird grab bag of shit that you would expect with me. Number one's Taylor Swift. Number two is mm-hmm. Harry Styles. Number three was Drake. Number four was Pusha T, which you talk about friction there and keeping them separated. <laughs> and then number five was Breaking <laughs> Benjamin because and honestly, people are like, how in the world did that happen in the year of? our Lord 2022 (laughs) when I had to stay awake the night before games to finish doing my game boards on the road I would put on noise proof headphones and I would just blare the same music that I would work out to and getting back in the gym and lifting actual weights this year means that I needed to channel like 2006 Mike Golick Jr and Mm -hmm. that guy listened to a lot of like borderline metal alt rock and breaking Benjamin was near the top of the list so the thing that I took a lot of shit for though was my number one most listened to song of the year was music for a sushi restaurant by Harry Styles and Why is it had that a se- because it only had 78 plays and people looked at me like I was crazy oh. for the fact that I had only listened to my most listened to song under 80 times wow interesting well people hate me yeah like, i don't know what a normal amount of times to listen to a song is and like I listened to music for a sushi restaurant all the time. I would put those songs, that album, uh, Harry's House, Midnight's, and um, and that uh, uh, Pusha T album, I would put on when I would fall asleep on the plane. So it would just run over and over again. It's not surprising to me that these are the albums at the top. But I didn't realize 78 times apparently wasn't Die Hard enough.
1: I don't know, though. I don't know how many times anything is enough of.
2: <laughs> I feel like that's diversity, though, within the year. Like it's just like, yeah, your top would be. You got a couple. You got probably got a couple seventies. Uh, I hope so. Uh, rolling around there, Brandon. What do you got? Yeah. <sighs> well, last year was something, guys, because I, I found out about Fleetwood Mac last year. So <laughs> 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 welcome. They're in there. Hell yeah.
1: <laughs> welcome indeed. That, <laughs>
2: yes, that that cranberry guy uh got me got me going uh hard into flea were oh, bangers my. on bangers if you don't oh, know. Oh yeah, it. that's right. Um, I but, forgot
0: about that guy. Uh, shout out to the yeah, shout out to the skateboarding cranberry yes. juice guy.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh man.
0: So outside of that, obviously
2: Drake, um Jack Harlow, obviously Louisville, um, Freddie Gibbs, um, mm. I mentioned Fleetwood Mac, but in and, 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 and Little Baby, it uh, seems to be a lot of where I wish I was listening to a little bit more like smooth, melodic stuff, but like Kendrick Lamar, uh, this last The album, problem but-
1: with these year-end lists is that it makes you feel like during the year you should curate what you listen to to give you a better... This is almost like the most pure form of social media we have because you're not thinking about it while you're listening to it. It's just me listening to like that one Phoebe Bridger song over and over and over, and my phone is like, I see you. And I'm like, I wish there were a few more. I wish this weren't so on the nose, but it's exactly, it's the most honest version of us.
0: This is a musical version of getting your screen time report at the end of a week. Yep. Mm, yes. Well, I mean, I, I, I can't leave my kids out because
2: Baby Shark uh by Pitch Pitch Fong and then also Pinkfong. I Got a Dream from Tangled. Uh, <laughs> Carter really likes the Tangled soundtrack, so that was definitely represented as well.
1: People yeah. with kids, these ones for them are always incredible because it'll be like, you know, Jason Isbell followed by the Moana soundtrack. Oh my
2: gosh. <laughs>
1: it calls me but yeah Oh a banger
0: Moana had some bangers man that one uh, listen oh, if that ends up on your end of the year whatever it is replay or Spotify raps yours is the kingdom of heaven we're all rooting for you if somehow this podcast ended up on your end of season raps we appreciate you for getting in early because we've only been doing this since May so that would require a lot of listening and we love you a little bit more don't tell the rest of your siblings I know we're not supposed to pick a favorite you're our favorite if we wound up on there and if we wound up on there make sure you show us some love make sure you download subscribe rate and review gojo wherever you get your podcast leave us a five-star rating and a review check us out on the DraftKings youtube channel under the gojo with michael jr tablet follow charlotte wilder at the wilder things on all social media platforms to follow along with all the wonderful things that she is doing covering college football and covering sports in general thank you guys so much we'll talk to you tomorrow.